Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Heath Wilson, and he is with RO Technology. Welcome. Lee, good to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about RO. How are you serving folks? Well, Aro is a technology company that helps make it easy for people to put down their phones and engage in real life. So putting down their phones is you need a device to help you put down your phone? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the case. I can speak from uh, many years of personal failure. So it was a product and a business born out of frustration with you know my inability to put down my devices. And I kind of grew up through you know, through the first BlackBerry, through all the various versions of the iPhones. And I just found that in spite of my best intentions and in spite of having shoe boxes and drawers and baskets, I just wasn't doing an effective job of disengaging from, from, from work primarily and engaging with those that were closest to me. So um, how does this work? Well, what we've done is basically, and a lot of this fi- follows the science of habit formations. So if you think about habits, you know, typically starts with the visual cue. So as we thought about RO, we said, look, we have places for most things in our lives. We put our clothes in the closet. We put our you know, silverware in a drawer, our car in a garage, but we don't really have a place to find for our phone. So as a result, we put it in our pocket, we put it on the counter. And I don't know about you, but if I have my phone on me, I'm going to use it. So really it starts with the place. Um, so we, d- we define this or built this beautiful container that lives in in a home and that serves as a visual cue and then we gamified the whole experience to make it rewarding so there's an app it's really the the center of the platform that as soon as you put your phone in uh in the ro it starts tracking all your time away and really that's what we're trying to to quantify and to encourage is time off your phone not you know kind of the opposite of the the weekly screen time report now it's primarily geared towards a family you know Today it is, though I will tell you this this idea was born actually, you know, in, in an office context. So I, I had a company in Atlanta, actually, I love Atlanta, and I would have given anything to have something in our conference rooms that allowed us to better focus when we're in meetings, you know, the still glances under the table were, were frequent. So I do think there's an element of, or an aspect to this that could be very appropriate in a corporate context, also as an employee wellness benefit. We've also got inquiries from hospitality sectors. There's a bunch of different ways this could go. Yeah, to me, the first thought was restaurants. I mean, what a better way to encourage, you know, conversation than a central place on the table where everybody just puts their phone and it'll just be part of the, that's how we do restaurants now. Yeah, and you're right. And, you know, we, we see it. I mean, you see it when you go to a restaurant, there's there's too many times where you see a couple or family or, you know, looking on their phones instead of looking at each other. So, yeah, I think there could be an application there as well. So now when you came up with the idea, was it initially just kind of that uh, place and then uh, evolved into, hey, let's make this a membership so that it is a an ongoing gamified um, reminder that, this is a best practice when it comes to just living a more mindful, more productive life? 
Yeah, you know, I started iterating on the idea back in 2016, and I had a bunch of life experiences that came together where it, it just dawned on me that, you know, in other areas of my life where I have created habits, you know, there was a system to uh, to encourage those or to motivate me to keep doing those. And with RO, um, you know, the idea was, hey, can we outsmart the smartphone to a degree? Let's take all the tech tips and tricks that they used to hook us and let's use those to hook us to, to getting off our phone. But I, I quickly learned that you can't put the solution inside of the problem. So it can't be an app only system. You really need that place. You really need that, that, that calling, you know, when you walk into your house, as an example, the RO, you know, in many ways kind of is personified to say, Hey, look, this is the place where I go this, you know, to your phone. And it, it serves as that reminder, like this is, you know, if I want to live a life of best intentions, this is the place that it goes. And then, so um, when did you, when you had the concept, did, like, were your was your family the first kind of beta testers of this, or did when did you like kind of bring it from concept, you know, idea to, hey, let's test this in the wild to see if this really works as we envision. Well, that's exactly it. So again, I said I've I, on a personal front, I failed many times over, and I have four children. Uh, three of them were in middle school at the time, and they were approaching, you know, that age where you give them infinity in your pocket. And I just thought to myself, wow, you know, if if I'm failing and I'm I'm fairly disciplined, then you know, I haven't taught them well, I haven't modeled well, I haven't really given them the tools to be successful with this again infinitely powerful device. So yeah, that's where it started. Actually, I first got a shoebox, cut a hole in the back, and put some cords in it, charging cables, and I said, hey, I just want to see if like intuitively, if we start putting our phones there almost like a very, you know, basic charging station. And that worked. But what I noticed was, you know, you didn't get any credit for doing so. And that's where the whole idea of gamifying the experience uh, came into play. So then we started running betas with other families and, you know, the box got a little bit nicer along the way. But yeah, that's where it initially started with my family. And then the gamification, how does that work? Like what is the reward for having a more uh, robust conversation with your family. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately we do say that the reward is what you do when you're off your phone, but from a, from a, from an app standpoint, you know, everything from streaks uh, to nudges, to encouragement, to, to keep going. Uh, Even the, the interaction between the app and the box, we have this beautiful piano sound when you connect and we disconnect. So we've gamified even the experience of of putting it into uh, putting it into the RO and removing it. And really just trying to make sure that, you know, it creates a sustainable lifestyle and makes it fun. You know, um, it's easy to fill every bored moment, every waking moment with, you know, another scroll through through the phone. And we just think if we can make it fun to actually put it down for periods of time that you may actually engage in that conversation with your spouse or your child that you you've been putting off. You might actually have, you know, a family dinner where you're not looking at your devices. Even if you just watch TV without a second screen, we think that's a win as well. Now, um, when you came up with the idea, you decided to make it kind of a, a nicer box than a shoe box, a more elevated experience as part of the membership. How did you land on the pricing? And when did you realize, hey, this pricing can work, we can build a business around all of this? Yeah. Well, we didn't want a transaction. You know, this is this is a lifestyle. We always say, you know, it's going to get easier to put down your phone, but it's never easy. So we knew that we needed to create a kind of a lifetime relationship with our customers. And that's why we we built a subscription model. Um, 
but the tech, and I mentioned earlier, you know, we're a tech company, you know, the tech is, is pretty complicated, you know, to be able to recognize a phone in this, you know, small contained area and to connect and disconnect reliably, you know, it took us quite a while to, uh, uh, to pinpoint. So we patented that technology and, and, you know, that makes it a bit more expensive to create these things. But we also knew that it did have to be beautiful. You know, this needed to be something that, that lived in someone's home. It needed to blend in, but also stand out. Um, so, you know, everything from material wise, from the bamboo lid to the fabrics were well thought out. And we even worked with interior designers to make sure that this is something that could, you know, fit within, um, the normal design, um, you know, layout of most homes. Now, this isn't your first rodeo. Um, can you talk about how that, um, maybe impacted the way you went about doing, uh, this adventure? Yeah, so my first uh, rodeo was in Atlanta. Love Atlanta. Was there for 23 years. Um, started a company back in 2000. Very different company. It was a software and a data company. Um, but you know what you learn in that experience, the underpinnings or the the foundation of of starting a company and building a company are certainly applicable uh, to the next one. Probably what I took from that um, experience more than anything is that it can be done. You know, risk is is worth it um especially if you have you know the appetite for risk which i do uh also kind of leaned into um you know hiring people that had different skill sets than i did so you know making sure that as we interview folks that we we fill in gaps of you know deficiencies that i have and others on the team have so just really be more strategic about you know building out the team and you know in some ways you you gain a little bit of confidence, you know, you've done it before and you feel like you could do it again. So that, you know, helps you kind of push forward when things get a little bit more, more difficult. Now, what about, uh, your co-founder? How did that come about? Were you both on the same struggling with the same thing? Uh, how did, uh, your co-founder get into this? Well, I would argue that most of us are struggling with that, but I assumed he was, uh, for that reason. Um, I called Joey, uh, Joey Odom, uh, because I knew that his values were aligned with mine. And ultimately, this is a values business. You know, what we are trying to encourage is somewhat countercultural. Uh, what we're trying to, um, you know, motivate people to do is to, to look at each other, to look up, to, to be more relationally oriented. Look, the reality is technology has made almost every part of our life better, more convenient, easier, faster. But I would say the one area of our lives where it's been detrimental is with relationships. So, you know, we're kind of leaning into that. And we believe that everything that's been created in this this marketplace now is all about rules and regulations and restrictions. And, you know, we feel like we're the first provider that's actually addressing the relationship with the device, which is most important. And you're encouraging more real life, real time, face to face conversations. Absolutely. And we look, we all crave connection. I crave connection. You crave connection. Uh, in fact, that was the that was the promise of social media, you know, when it when it was first created. Um, but we also know that face to face connection is way better than you know behind a screen. Yeah, and going through a pandemic, everybody's hungry for it. Uh, you know, as it broke, you can see that people were just kind of going out of their way to hug people. It was a big deal. <laughs> they were sharing that on social media. How big of a deal it was. That's how big well, of a deal. Yeah, I mean, you think, you know, at one point they said, we'll never shake hands again for, you know, this, this, this fear factor. And I mean, that went away almost immediately. We were shaking hands and hugging and, <laughs> which is great. I've, I'm so thankful we've, we've kind of moved to more of a steady state there. Now, talk a little bit about, uh, your experience with the Atlanta 
technology ecosystem. How have you found that to be? Have you enjoyed it? Uh, has it been as as you'd like it to be? And, and what would you like more of in it? Well, Atlanta was an amazing city. You know, met my wife there. I uh, got married there, raised my kids, started a business there. So can't say enough good things about Atlanta. Um, I, I, I do believe Atlanta is the technology center of the Southeast. Um, as we were building our business in particular, you know, there's a lot of competition for for talent, and that just speaks to the level of uh, innovation that's happening in the marketplace. So I think Atlanta, you know, continues to be, um, you know, kind of the tech epicenter, and, and we were just happy to be a part of it. Now, is there anything that it's lacking? Is there um, something you'd like to see more of? I think you're starting to see more institutional investors enter the marketplace. You know, a lot of times from a venture capital or a private equity perspective, you were having to go out west or, or to the northeast. And it, it feels like and it seems like, you know, some of those players have even opened regional offices and, and others have, you know, headquartered in Atlanta. So it, it feels like Atlanta's on the up and up when it comes to having um, you know, the right base of investors, you know, in in your own backyard. Now, do you have any advice for the maybe the people that are in a more corporate role but have this kind of idea that's been backburnered? And, and it might be kind of similar to yours with uh, Aro in that, hey, I got this idea. There's this problem. I think it could work. How do you, how do you get encourage them to, you know, take action on it and to, you know, even at the minimum, just, you know, put that shoebox together with a bunch of cords hanging out the back, like to scratch that itch a little bit and maybe expand what a career could be for them. Yeah. You know, the, the, the one thing I would say, and I'm actually not that good at this, but I, for whatever reason, I, I did it this time around, write it down. You know, RO started as, I call it a the Jerry Maguire manifesto moment. And I realized, you know, some people may not know who Jerry Maguire, the movie was, but I basically went home one night and I had a job, right? I was building a company, um, but I went home one night and just wrote a couple, three pages of all the thing, all the problems that I saw with, with our relationship with devices and in particular, my relationship. And then all the things I thought that I could, could, you know, create a solution for. And it was a bunch of ramblings and musings, but at the end of it, it 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 kind of coalesced into a to a concept and maybe even a quasi business plan. And then I put it away, and I put it in an email email folder, and I forgot about it for three or four years. Um, and then dug it out when uh, when some life circumstances kind of aligned, and there it was. You know, and it changed certainly from that initial, um, you know, manifesto. But a lot of the the foundational stuff in that you know document that night became part of the business. So yeah, first and foremost, if you have an idea, write it down, sketch it down. And yeah, if you can do a beta test, whatever that beta test looks like, if it's a shoebox, even better. But you have to at some point take action. It's, it, you know, those kind of back burner things can live and die on the back burner if you don't take action. Yeah, so I completely agree. And I and on that front, I would say fail quickly, do do small tests. You know, don't don't bet the house on it. Um, you know, talk to some friends about it, even um, see what they think. Now, you will have to get a couple, you know, standard deviations outside of your network to make sure you get unfiltered feedback. But yeah, I would I would you know, test it in conversations. You know, if you can test the thing, if it is a thing, um, you know, do that as well. So yeah, you can't just you can't just sit around and think that it's just going to happen. You have to, you know, like you said, take some action. 
So if somebody uh, wants to learn more, uh, maybe check one out. Are, is, are they available in stores? Or is it only online? How can someone uh, get an RO and, and bring it to their home or their office? Yeah, we are selling direct to consumer uh, online. It's goaro.com. Uh, we actually just started shipping this week. So, um, you know, it's been three years in the making and we're, we're happy to, happy to finally get them in customers' hands. Good stuff. Well, congratulations on all the success and, uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. And we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio. 